The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 679 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show. But uh, looking back over how the schedule has been, this probably should have just been episode 677 because it would have been a lot more in tune to what we're talking about. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. But this week we do win because we have the wonderful Tom Marks with us to talk about Cyberpunk 2077. Tom, thank you so much for joining us this week. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we're also, of course, joined this week by Brian Altana. I have not reviewed Cyberpunk 2077, but thank you for having me. Of course. Always happy to have you. And Max Scoville. I want to play Cyberpunk 677, where you have like android arms and you're in the Crusades <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Get nanomachine plagues and stuff. Uh, the last thing we need, I feel bad enough being a Viking. The last thing we need is a, a Crusades game where you have to like enact the Children's Crusade, which I learned oh, about boy. in high school, oh, which was no. just awful. Yeah. Wasn't that the first Assassin's Creed? Wasn't that the Crusades? Yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that happened. I forgot. All right. About anyway, that. it's been a while. Anyway, we're, of course, here to talk about uh, cyberpunk. But before we get into that, I did just want to bring up one thing uh, because I was able to pick up some packages from uh, the IGN office. Uh, that had been stored for me uh, and a wonderful piece of fan mail that I had been emailed back back in June about uh, was delivered to the IGN office and has just been sitting there for a while. So I wanted to give huge props to uh, I'm going to bring up the full name, so I'm not incorrect here, but a huge props to James Van Eddy, who sent in these amazing, basically, oh, he's going to fall. He fell off the shelf. These PlayStation cross stitch croquet. I don't know. Uh, crochet. I don't know exactly what uh, the form of uh, stitch work is called exactly, but an original PlayStation model. That's uh, awesome. That he designed, which is incredible. In addition to a PS4. Ooh, oh, that's that adorable. Even the, yeah, it's got the like the tilt and everything. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, and then also a game case for both of them. I will let you all guess. You probably can guess. Uh, they were pretty easy for me, but I'll let you know. Uh, that one for PlayStation 1. Gran Turismo. Nice. Jack, Jack yep. and Daxter. Jack and Daxter, naturally. And uh, this one for PS4. Duck Hunt. Horizon. Yeah. Uh, that is, oh man, I love that. It's like hyper minimalist. So that funny. is so cool. It does so, look like Duck Hunt, though. Tell me I'm wrong. There's a little bit of Duck Hunt in there. I see it. You're not wrong. But uh, anyway, James sent these in, uh, obviously, a long time ago. And so this is a long overdue thank you for sending those in because they are awesome. And, it's funny. Uh, 
you gave him huge props and he gave you tiny props. Very true. Uh, we're all about props on the show. Props and puns. That's what we live for. Props, puns and punks is what we're going to talk about this week. Uh, no, of course, <laughs> we are. We are going to talk about cyberpunk, uh, but very briefly, actually, so much has happened in the last week that I briefly just wanted to touch on a couple news stories before we do. Uh, but we'll have a ton of spoiler free cyberpunk uh, impressions from Tom and our questions about it to Tom coming up very soon. But I did want to just briefly mention, especially because Tom might be remiss if I didn't mention on a show we're on together when we recorded a convo, I think earlier this year. I don't remember exactly when, but uh, Persona 5 Strikers, which in uh, Japan is Persona 5 Scrambled, the Phantom Strikers, is officially coming to the West on February 23rd. It's coming to PS4, Switch, and PC. Uh, this is essentially a Muso style, so Dynasty Warriors or Hyrule Warriors-esque uh, sequel to persona 5 and the funny thing about this game that tom and i had a convo about uh months or years ago who can say is that the initial trailers for this game in japan even made fun of the fact that it essentially is persona 5 2 uh by having like a 2 in the trailer that would get knocked out by the s of the title uh they're very like playfully making clear that this is a direct sequel this continues the fan of thieves story uh tom and i just kind of want to briefly uh get your thoughts about uh the excitement now that it's actually on the way <laughs> yeah and also the demo that they released on i think it was the japanese switch eShop a while back it the thing that struck me about it was it's not just like a dynasty warriors game in format either right like it's dynasty warriors in combat style but it's not like these big open sprawling maps that you're like going and attacking bases on like hyrule warriors is for anybody who's played the the new one of that or the old one of that um it's like basically persona 5 palaces from what it looks but then the combat is just real-time muso style within those so yeah i look i'm just so glad this finally has a u.s date it's got the the, the u.s voice cast back like i'm i'm really excited for this it, the only weird thing about it is that uh, I've now played Persona 5 Royal since then, and it changes the very end of the game. But this one <laughs> seems to be a sequel to the original end, which is like going to be a little funny to now have that disparity. But if I mean, it's a small thing. If you didn't finish Persona 5, would this be like a huge spoiler to play? I don't know specific story wise. I do know it like literally picks up from what the very final shot of persona 5 is but i don't we'll have to see right i imagine it'll be fine largely like for the bigger plot stuff but it will tell you kind of where they end up right yeah like it will it features all the characters from that first game and p5 very much like slowly introduces you to the cast of the yeah. phantom thieves over it so like you basically would just from the jump know everyone so if you right. see a character like the, the persona 5 is really good about seeding characters that pop up later so like if you see a character in the first 10 hours of the game you'd probably know that they're going to become important later but yeah it, it's hard to say story-wise now but I'm excited. I'm, I'm I'm glad to have the Persona Five universe continuing. And does it have form. does it have UI as cool as Persona Five? Uh, From what we've seen, cool, yeah. yeah, it's it's got the same seemingly like the same style. Obviously, like less menus in action because you're not. It's all real time action instead. But it seems like there is a lot of uh, retention of like the the fonts and the little touches of like the, the the day calendar when you're in the real world versus like how things look in uh the palaces uh it, it seems like they're they're retaining the spirit of what the first game was which i love that rules 
Um, but in terms of other uh, th- that, of course, that news came officially this week after a leak of the trailer last week, which, you know, it's December before the Game Awards. There's got to be leaks happening. Uh, another one that felt like a, a, a company making a move maybe earlier than they intended to uh, a leak from a bunch of Fortnite leakers came true because Kratos is officially available in Fortnite. Uh, you can purchase him. He is only available by purchasing in the shop, which I did. He comes with uh, a full fa- uh, full Kratos skin that you can make do the dynamite dance if you would like, uh, and if you own that emote. Uh, it comes with a Leviathan axe, a Mimir back bling, uh, and his shield. His shield is his glider. Did uh, you say a Mimir back bling? Like the back I mean, that's bling- what the thing. The, that's what they're called. <laughs> they're back blings, but it's Mimir. Unfortunately, he doesn't speak. I was disappointed by that. I like the that's skin overall. It's really cool, uh, and it looks great. It is bizarre to be like, hold on, let me reload my AK as Kratos. But um, it, I, I think he's a god it, of it, war, not a god of peace. Jonathan, let him <laughs> have enough. his Kalashnikov, all right. <laughs> I love that um, that game just became like pop culture Smash Brothers quietly over the last like few years, like to the would, point where you could you can just like you can write a sentence about a character coming to Fortnite and it'll take people like a minute. You could be like Angela Lansbury from Murder She Wrote is coming to Fortnite. The Golden Girls are in Fortnite, and people will be like, "What, really?" Like, yeah, like it actually take you a minute to actually make sure that that's not fake or not. I've been yeah. thinking about this. Who? Is Fortnite the biggest like crossover platform for that? Because I mean, they've they've eclipsed Smash Brothers at this point as far as guest characters go. I feel like they, on a like transmedia level for sure. Because Smash Bros very much has that like they have to originate in games sort of uh, mm-hmm. ruling. Whereas this is like I can literally say I am going to play a game as Kratos with my friends playing as Kylo Ren and uh, <laughs> Wol- <laughs> as Kylo Ren, Wolverine, and Ninja. And John mm-hmm. Wick. And John Wick. Yeah. That's so it, weird. Yeah. And Batman, Thanos. Like, yep. Yeah. I forget. No, I mean, but I, you look at, like, I mean, if you looked at who, non-Nintendo characters who've made their way into Smash, or yeah. I guess, you know, random movie characters who've shown up in um, Mortal Kombat. It's like this, it's, int- I, I really kind of want to do deep dive on this and just be like, who has the most random guest appearances? And I think it's, I, it has to be Fortnite. Like, yeah, I I'm trying to think if there's anything else that does this. I can't imagine anything eclipsing it. I feel like Mortal Kombat's probably the closest just in terms of like different properties coming together. But yeah, this is like I it, it is that weird, so bizarre thing of like this is a, a like your toy box of action figures from when you were a kid just put into a game because you can you can have Aquaman and Joker fighting Wolverine and like Finn from Star Wars. Like it doesn't matter who owned these properties originally as long as they made this deal with Fortnite, they're in the game and it's yeah that's forever right as as far as we know they i don't think they've taken any of the licensed skins out of the game yet yeah. that's so wild so like, do, you, yeah. do you remember that whole thing i can think of that close is like lego right like all, yeah, yeah. The more recent lego, lego dimensions, dimensions. Yeah. yeah yeah lego dimensions is definitely up there lego, yeah. and i mean speaking of toy boxes disney infinity did a fair amount of different sure. characters but they were yeah. all under the disney umbrella um God, I was gonna. I was gonna say something. I totally had a brain fart there. Apologies. No, it's all good. It. it I, I mostly wanted to bring it up. I know I'm probably the only one here who's still playing Fortnite pretty regularly, if at all. But it is. And immediately, I spent the money on the skin. And if they put like Master Chief and Samus in there, that will again further, uh, like 
ebb away at these lines and it's just so funny thing because like after a generation where playstation was so reticent to jump into cross play and to jump into like playing nice with the other console makers it is really fascinating to see i'm shocked honestly that kratos is in the game and you can play as him on switch or xbox or pc or mobile like it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. i saw a couple pictures floating around on uh twitter of people noticing that kratos was on their xbox series x like home screen it was like play as kratos now and it's like this is so weird i love it get him out of here i just yeah. i remember what i was going to say the the um super villain support group meeting in wreck it ralph like the infamous thing about mm-hmm. how every like every developer was like no bowser has to be the biggest or oh like you know the shang sung has to be the coolest one there like everyone is trying to be like no our villain is the is the most badass like you got to follow our style guide eventually it's like no, no no just let them play together i'm sure there have been some bizarre conversations about like who can or can't do certain dance. I mean, I imagine that like the, the contingency for, for to be in Fortnite is like, you have to do all the things that you can do in Fortnite. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, that's probably why we haven't gotten like Mario in there because it's like Miyamoto is like, do not give him real guns, please. <laughs> do not make yeah. him dab. That guns, is had guns and rabbits. That's, that's true. true. Those weren't yeah. real guns though. Those were like weird animal guns. <laughs> they were <laughs> the, um, yeah, the, the only really interesting limitation that I've seen so far is basically that a couple of, the Marvel things you could unlock last season can only be used with those characters. So it's like some of them have their own unique emote. That's like, obviously a uh, she Hulk it's uh, Jennifer Walters or I forget her uh, real human name, but she can Lawrence uh, can turn into she Hulk. I don't know if you're correct. I'll just say the name. You tell me Um, she, her emote turns her into she Hulk or, or things of that nature. So it's like, there are a couple Marvel specific things, but other than that, it's like, I can make Kratos dance to BTS while, while Ninja sips tea next to him and Deadpool shakes a snow globe at him. Like it. And the portal to hell opens for all of us to fall into it. It always feels like I'm making stuff up now when I talk about Fortnite. And you're and I, all at a Travis Scott concert that's going to reveal an exclusive Christopher Nolan trailer. Like, what? Yeah. what is Fortnite anymore? It is it is a platform more than a game, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it continues to evolve and maintain that relevancy because it, it's showing no signs of, like, slowing down. It's obviously not at that, like, that height that we had maybe a year or two ago of it, but it's obviously still massive. Uh, there were, I think 15 million people who tuned into the Marvel event. So yeah, it's very interesting. Hopefully there are other, uh, other company characters that show up in that, but also that just makes me really want to see what Sony would do if they had to do PlayStation all-stars, uh, battle Royale too, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, I briefly did want to mention some release dates, uh, Prince of Persia remake, the sands of time remake got delayed, uh, just today as we're recording from its original January release date to march uh so you'll have to still wait a little while for that but it's still not getting x-gen versions it will it will be backward compatible on ps5 and series x but it won't have like specific versions for next gen uh, i is- completely forgot that game existed just <laughs> straight up forgot it's probably good they delayed so that they can maybe spend some time to market it to us uh yeah Especially because it feels like this is meant to check whether or not people still give a uh, crap about this franchise so it's not yeah. delayed. It's just going in slow motion. It's it's using the sands <laughs> of time to move very slowly or whatever. Um, but I guess if you're looking for something to play in January, the uh, Scott Pilgrim, the long uh, uh, disappeared Scott Pilgrim beat em up uh, published by Ubisoft, speaking of, uh, is coming back in January. So you'll be able to actually pick that one up after a long 
absence of unavailability on digital platforms, uh, it will be available for digital download in January. Uh, last but not least, just wanted to mention there's been a lot of staffing changes as the years ended in the video game industry. And while that sounds very dry and boring, I do think it sort of indicates where maybe things will be going over the next couple of years. Uh, Neil Druckmann was made the co-president of Naughty Dog. Um, so obviously he has a long time standing at that studio and has been um, already at sort of a very high position there. But I think that's very clearly showing that one to me, maybe he'll take a little bit of a step back in whatever the next franchises are that Naughty Dog produces, at least like hands on. Um, but he obviously will help continue to push the storytelling uh, and direction of that studio as they go forward. And this is the least we've known about where Naughty Dog's heading in a while. Yeah, Wasn't he? Isn't he co-writing that HBO show with Craig Mazin? Yes, he yeah, he, yeah, he is uh, on as a co-writer for the Last of Us TV show. So yeah, um, already that will probably bring him away from whatever they're working on in the future. But it, very interesting to see what happens next there. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, Quentin Cobb uh, has now joined Zenimax. Uh, previously, had worked uh, at Naughty Dog for quite some time, but also most interestingly, recently. Um, seemed to be working at a PlayStation studio that had not had a project officially announced yet. Um, this was a team that seemed to be coming together and bringing some really high quality talent uh, together. Uh, Quentin has now left PlayStation and whatever that team was working on. So it's unclear what the future of that team is uh, or if they will ever continue to exist or if they're just sort of disappearing off the face of the earth. But uh, an interesting one nonetheless, but hope uh, whatever Quentin is working on at Zenimax is exciting. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, a few big names from Sony Japan, including the uh, Gravity Rush director, who was also the Silent Hill creator, left Sony Japan recently uh, to form an independent studio, um, which to me is a bit of a bummer because I love the Gravity Rush series and we haven't seen anything from that team since Gravity Rush 2. Uh, Japan Studio is a really interesting one to me because right now we don't really know anything they're working on, um, but they are responsible for co-development on a lot of big things. Uh, big VR projects like Astrobot. Obviously, Astro's Playroom uh, came out of one of their the Asobo team there. But uh, Asobi, excuse me, Asobo is the flight sim people. Mm-hmm. I think. Thank you. I think so. <laughs> this episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? 
None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and then last but not least, Mark Dara and Casey Hudson announced they're leaving Bioware. Uh, all current Bioware projects are still ongoing, including uh, Dragon Age, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, whatever comes next for Mass Effect. And of course, if you were concerned, Anthem Next is still in development, apparently. Um, but I'm someone who's never really played Bioware games, so I'm curious to hear from any of the panel who has had much experience or maybe just, you know, has been following the company. Do do these two high-profile uh, departures worry you or concern you in any way, or does it sort of seem like this kind of just happens at Bioware a lot? I mean, this is like Casey Hudson quit this job twice. That seems concerning, right? Yeah. Um, then again, like they, you know, they kind of were like, oh, it's business as usual. And they weren't really like doing that, what you think they were doing. But that's that sort of feels damage controlly. I think that like these are two franchises that probably aren't um, like, I, I don't think the average gamer is the most confident about the future direction of them currently. And this doesn't exactly imbue more confidence in 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 the future of those games. So like, it's not great. It doesn't seem like it's great. But then again, who knows? I have no idea. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It, it's especially hard to tell because people who have been in a company for 20 years, you know, leaving, I think can easily fall either way because being in a company for 20 years is a long, long time to be at a company and you could just be leaving because you want to do other things or you've hit the top of where you can go and you like want something different than what you have. Like there's a lot of reasons to leave that late in. But also it could be a sign of something like company culture shifting, right? And you just don't want to, like, it's not the same place you thought it was or anything like that. I think it's really, because it could be so many things, it's really hard to speculate on what it actually is in this case. But we can at least, and it's 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 an easy trap to fall into, I think, to say, oh, Bioware's been having trouble lately with some of their things and people have been kind of unhappy with what they've been doing with Anthem and that sort of stuff. 
this must mean something about that. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's kind of too hard to tell from the outside to to really make that draw that line. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, Jonathan, you forgot you forgot the biggest staffing news of the week, which is that Crash Bandicoot is now the CEO of Jinko Jeans. And that we my dreams tell. come true. That we know for sure is a great decision for him. It's great for the company. Um, he said that he wants to make the the the, the, the legs even bigger on the pants. So, <laughs> but his legs big, are so thin. He's got big embroidered wampa fruits on the back pocket, and he's going to have all true. sorts of exciting new wallet chains. This this we know top to bottom. Great news for everyone involved, especially fans of those big big Jinko jeans. You had me um, at embroidered wampa fruit. Going back to the uh, the Bioware thing, um, <laughs> well, I I want to talk about Bioware. I I don't know. I feel like it's been a it's been a cool minute since they. Uh, I mean, Dragon Age Inquisition was 2014, uh, and then we got Anthem and we got the Mass Effect that nobody talks about. And I I just can't help but feel like that's. I mean, they're chipping away at something over there. They're clearly working, but it's also I think it's sort of a ghost ship at this point. Like I think people sort of champion the name Bioware. As this like, you know, pinnacle of of RPG storytelling, and I mean, they've it's been a minute, and I I can't help but wonder how much of just EA politics, and not to be just all like EA's the worst, I hate them, but like the kind of games that they tend to ship doesn't really seem in line with what Bioware wants to do. Like they either you know are making you know super hyper AAA um, you know games as a service sort of sports shooter type stuff, or they're doing uh, sort of more smaller, almost experimental stuff like. Um, you know, a way out or the, the new, um, um, medal of honor VR game. And it, like, they, like, I don't know. EA just seems like they're obviously it's a, it's a giant ship. So it's kind of hard to steer, but I, it just doesn't seem like the stuff that Bioware typically wants to do is really in line with what they're doing, unless they are suddenly, you know, dr- you know, turning the wheel as hard as they can being like, you know, the witcher three is the amazing selling game everyone loves cyberpunk and uh you know ubisoft ships an open world rpg every year like what how do we do one of those like we've got to you know bioware get it you know kick it in the ass or whatever but um yeah i don't know it's 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 also again it's weird that casey hudson keeps like leaving and coming back and stuff like that yeah it's um I, i was looking back at our stories and i had forgotten i wrote the story of when casey hudson came back on ign a couple years ago and it's one of those things where it's like we could be here in a couple more years and he's like i have returned again to lead mass effect five or whatever they call it um probably like god of war it'll just be called mass effect but it's um yeah it is a very strange time i totally agree with tom on that note of like because of the the long-standing history that those two have with the company it is very easy to immediately want to go into like speculation 101 of like what could be wrong what could be going on but it is also very possible these guys have just been at it in this you know specific genre or at this company or in the their roles for so long even if casey recently returned like obviously he's been there for a long time overall maybe they just want to do something new um and i do think these are definitely games that at least from what i can tell especially from the dragon age side of things because we know that game seems to be at least in some proper form of development like i think dragon age is more than the sum of one single person's creative vision is pretty fair to say uh and so what the team that's left will do will be really interesting to see but yeah it's i i agree with you max like bioware needs to prove itself again it's been it has definitely been a minute since they were the the top. They were what was considered the standard bearer. Uh, and that feels like what they want to work toward again. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. that will EA let them. Also, the other thing is a lot of my understanding is a lot of um, game development work is contract based. 
And I mean, it, it's probably not a coincidence that it's the end of the year and we're hearing these people departing for other things. Like maybe they had a year long contract. Um, there was, I think it was one of the head guys working on Halo Infinite um, was, he was like mm. the director and that's had like a bunch of directors kind of rotating, which I don't know if that's a you know indication of what the project's doing, but um, he didn't like, he still works for Microsoft. They just put him on something else, which is, you know, interesting. But again, it was like, I think he was like, my contract, my contract was up or something to that effect, which is, um, there's also, I mean, people get poached, like people get approached about like new projects that are either, you know, they pay better or they sound more exciting or lucrative or whatever. And, you know, who knows what, what that entails. Yeah, it's um, the company is certainly at a point where I don't think we've seen enough of what's on the table for them to come where these le- these departures can be any clear sign of like the stability of what those projects are. It's it's good to know everything's continuing. But yeah, Bioware is a really interesting case. Um, I'm excited to see where things go for them in this next generation, because obviously it's a name people love and want to see do well. But it's it's been a while. So we'll see. We know the the new Dragon Age will be at the Game Awards in some capacity. So hopefully we'll see something interesting there. Uh, but until then, speaking of the Game Awards, uh, before the end of the show, I forgot to put this in the run of show. Uh, I'd like everyone to come at me with one outlandish or reasonable PlayStation guess of what will be shown at the Game Awards to see how horribly wrong we are next week. Uh, but in the meantime, as you think about that, I do want to talk, of course, about Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, so... Tom, you reviewed Cyberpunk 2077. I will, uh, of course, defer to you in explaining uh, sort of the overarching feelings about your review, but just sort of to to couch the conversation, you played only on PC. You have not played the console versions, PS4 or Xbox. Um, so you don't have impressions of the console version, uh, and it seems no one does. All the reviews wide seem to have been PC only. So yeah. uh, no console impressions. But because this is such a major game coming to ps4 the ps5 version won't be out until sometime next year it's still i think obviously a game we want to make sure we have well covered and can uh you know talk to the audience about so to kick things off there was there was an outlet that did get exclusive rights to the console version and it's best buy (laughs) they apparently (laughs) yeah that's they they were the ones that got to play like people people bought the game early and were able to play it but other than that like no one else correct yeah yeah Yeah. As, as far as we know yeah, as far as we know, all reviews were PC based. Um, and so, Tom, why don't you hit us uh, just from the top, sort of your your overall thoughts uh, on Cyberpunk 2077 and also just sort of a, a couching and like how much time you spent with it before the review? Yeah, OK. Uh, I spent I played 45 hours of the game before writing my review and getting everything ready uh, for people to look at and read. Um I think my three headlines for it, Mm -hmm. if you want the quick ones, are it's excellent, it's shorter than I expected, and it's extraordinarily buggy. Those were like the three big takeaways that I think I would give to anybody. And I'm not saying it's too short. Um, I thought it was a really, really fun, really full of choice incredibly compelling rpg i i think it's beautiful i loved the world i loved the stories being told i initially wasn't crazy about the combat but kind of as more options opened up i was even really into that um the side missions are really fun you have just an incredible amount of choice in the world like i was very very impressed with it overall it's not perfect by any means there are little problems here and there i don't like how some of the mission stuff is presented for example um but, you know, like it, it, it largely I thought it was a really, really, really amazing game. Um, 
That said, I played this on the PC version, so we won't know how it runs on PlayStation, like you said. But man, this game had issues. And it didn't just have issues for me. It had issues for, I think, basically everybody who reviewed it was like the bugs were a thing they brought up. They were so noticeable. Um, And it has to be said, at least that for the large part, I only saw mostly visual issues. Um, Things like characters T-posing, characters in wrong poses during like dialogue scenes, uh, characters referencing objects that were invisible right like things like that i had yeah i had moments where like i would get into a car i would sprint up to a car and get in it and then the entire drive i would be in the run bob but like (laughs) sitting in my seat um i had times lots of times where you know you'd get phone calls that would interrupt and overlap with dialogue in a story mission um it was it's just a lot of stuff like that that's not like game breaking but is very annoying right yeah, that's that's an interesting I, I feel like in all the reviews they all did bring up the bugs but i didn't see anybody really talking about them being fully game breaking just more immersion right. breaking and more like like prevalent and noticeable but not like you know they don't brick your save file or something yeah the, there were a couple moments where i would like i had to like reload the game or reload a save because like a quest trigger wasn't happening or something like that. And it would just like, I couldn't proceed in the quest, but that was like pretty simple stuff. And it was also way rarer than like broken poses, which was happening pretty much constantly. Um, So yeah, like for the most part, this is a playable game. It's just like, it's really a shame because a lot of the conversations that you're having are like really deep and really well-written and really engaging. And then the character you're having them with will like, you know, be sitting at a table with you having this conversation and then suddenly their character model will just like stand up on the table and then go back down into the seat and be in the wrong pose and then their mouth won't move for the rest of the conversation. And like, that's not stopping you from enjoying the story, but it is like ruining the mood in a really like tangible way. But there, there's like significant day one patches coming for this game right yes 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 so that should be said we played before the day zero patch that's coming right there's going to be a patch that will will do that cdpr seemed er, indicated to us that that patch would focus on stability and performance primarily um so we haven't been told like sometimes developers will say this is what's going to be in the day one patch right like very explicitly we haven't been told this time that like t-posing will be addressed and honestly i think there are so many bugs that like probably they aren't going to be able to address those things all of those things in a day one patch so yeah it's fair to say we didn't play on the the version most people will be playing on but also like i I am nervous if it was giving me slight performance problems you know on a high-end pc like i'm nervous about what this is going to look like on a launch ps4 you know like that's 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 speculation completely because we haven't seen it or played it but like this could be a pretty rough launch and i think that's probably why they're like might be part of why not a lot of people have played it on console yet and just just to set the expectation uh tom you were playing on a pretty powerful pc as well yeah yeah i had an rtx 3080 gpu which is the basically the best you can find if it was in stock right now um and like it was running mostly okay and they did actually do a patch mid-review process that addressed like partially addressed one visual bug which is that guns will just be floating in the air after you kill enemies which after the patch that that 
pretty much was like it was still happening, but not. It as is the future. That does. That's not that weird. They're probably Floating smart guns. guns. Yeah. Fair. Fair. There Cyber are guns. actually smart guns in the game, which is very funny. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. But like, regardless, the bugs are a big part of it that I noticed and really did bring down the experience. But like, I, I don't want to harp on them too much because it was like a really fun game. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and it you know i played 45 hours of it and i need a nap and i'm gonna take a break but (laughs) then like there's still stuff i want to do in the game and there's still quest lines i want to pursue and like i'm i'm gonna go back to it right like that's a good sign that you play 45 hours in a week and then you're like oh yeah i want to keep playing this game eventually (laughs) you know it's like it's good uh brian sorry i I didn't mean to cut you off before but wanted to let you chime in if you're no, uh, I, I was going to say, um, I, I, I do think it is concerning that pretty much nobody outside of like, you know, people who bought the game at Best Buy and a couple of highly curated, um, you know, released videos directly from CDPR have seen what the consoles uh, versions of this game look like, because I, I do feel like a significant portion of the audience is going to come from consoles. Yeah. And it's kind of frustrating to like not be able to like tell our playstation audience this is what the game plays like on playstation because we just don't know yet and so like i would say personally and maybe this is editorializing a bit but like i if you have a if you have a ps4 um maybe maybe wait a few hours like to see what this game looks like i mean you don't have to buy it the second it unlocks many of you probably already did which is like what i think is like kind of disingenuous about the entire process is that like this is a company that has no problem taking the money from the consumers uh already and that's how pre-orders work it's how they've always worked but not really giving them in return this sort of peace of mind of knowing what they're actually purchasing and i saw a lot of chatter about this on social media because i tweeted about it and a lot of people were like oh they're probably just trying to keep spoilers away and I was like, they let Tom play the entire game on PC. Like, yeah, they, they specifically know? asked us not to spoil big story moments, which course, we wouldn't yeah. want to do anyway. Right. Like that, that's a fine thing. But it, I mean, this is a little inside baseball, but like it is very weird that the the review embargo that went up on Monday didn't allow anyone to use their own captured footage for the game right that's super weird like that's not a thing that i think i've ever experienced really in game reviews before it like it we don't know of course the exact reason for that but like it is very it seems like the easy speculation is like this game is buggy and they didn't want to show people that for as long as they could right right and like again that's just my speculation but like yeah i agree it's hard to tell people that they should probably wait for on a game that has been this anticipated and this delayed and this is is this exciting but like at the same time if the witcher if the support cdpr gave the witcher 3 is any indication this will be a much better game in six months right Mm -hmm. like it's going to probably be patched a lot over that time because they have proven that they don't walk away from their games when they have issues and so like I'm excited to see what it's going to look like. But like right now, it's pretty rough, at least on PC. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, it's it's sort of like it, it, you're not you're only rewarding yourself by waiting. Obviously, you do run into the 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 issue of like, you know, running into a spoiler on online for something that you're sure. very excited for. That's that would probably be the biggest detriment, not being part of the conversation, you know, day and day and having totally. some big quest line spoiled, which totally sucks. Um but this is not a game that they're going to just like 
kind of crap out and run away from. Like they're going to be consistently updating this thing for years, years. Like it's going to get mountains of DLC most likely, or definitely. Um, and so I, I would say like, if you haven't already bought it, wait to see how it runs on, on your base PS4 or your pro. I mean, this, there is no, I've also seen a lot of confusion, which, and you obviously can clear up here. There's, there's no PS5 version of this game yet. You no, can, if you if you even go onto the official cyber, this is the thing we had to uh, double check for the review graphic, actually, when we say like also available on, because if you go to the official cyberpunk website, there's a pre-order button and it says available on PC, Stadia, PlayStation 4 and Xbox. And then in small print below it, it says also runs great on Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. Like there's no there's no upgrade patch as far as we know, and no official version until sometime in 2021. We don't know when yet. So if you're playing this on PS5, you're literally just going to be playing the backwards compatible PS4 version. And obviously it will run better because the PS5 is a stronger system, but it will not have like ray tracing and all those upgrades that we can assume will come with the PS5 official version. I I thought I saw a thing today about how there is some kind of a patch or there's some, there's some kind of hand. It's not just a straight backwards. I mean, it is, it isn't made for PS5, but it mm. does something in the same way that, you know, the PS4 Pro will have like performance or. You yeah, know. I am. Yeah. I imagine I, I don't know that specifics, but I imagine that is true that it will definitely run. It'll be better on PS5, of course, mm. but like they're not officially like it's not getting the, the PS5 upgrade until sometime in 2021. I want to. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you about like sort of this this game aesthetically as kind of like a living breathing world did you get that feeling was was this like a place that you really just wanted to spend time in because i i've seen a lot of people talk about this game and and me too as, as sort of like um this like escapism like this is a, a big new open world game it's not it's not you know future gta which i think a lot of people thought it was it feels like it's a little bit more a little bit more like you know it, uh, i think it needs to be reiterated like this is an rpg it's, yeah. it has guns but this is an rpg Definitely. It feels far more like The Witcher than GTA, like like far, far more. Uh, There is a lot of talking and walking around in this game, for sure. Um, The living, breathing world thing is interesting to me because I did see this criticism in some other reviews, too, that I, you know, are totally valid in their opinions. That's great. It's like there's this. It's like the world of Night City is so incredible to me. It's beautiful. The scale is amazing. It's dense. It's rich. Like, I really do love it. But also, it's not like, it's not really like a, a massive step forward in the world, in world design, as much as it's just great world design, if that makes sense. Like, a really quick example I'll give you is like, there's food stalls everywhere in certain areas, but like, very few of them are actually like, you can't actually buy food from them, right? Mm. They're just set dressing. Or... Uh, there's no stealing in this game whatsoever. In some RPGs, if you take somebody's thing from behind their desk, they'll get mad at you. That doesn't exist here. And similarly, like there was a dude on the side of the road who was like on his phone next to his motorcycle and he was just like talking on the phone next to his motorcycle. And so I just walked up to him and took his motorcycle and drove off. And mm-hmm. he like got mad at me for driving too close to him, but not for stealing his motorcycle right so So like (laughs) in terms of like it being like a quote-unquote living world like it doesn't it's not doesn't really feel that way but it is just such an incredible place that i loved driving around it and i loved seeing new things in it and i loved like experiencing stories within that world even if it wasn't like 
like the next coming of RPG world design, if that makes right. sense. No, I was going to say that that's actually really interesting to hear because it's like I've seen a lot of comparisons to Fallout, but in Fallout games 10 years ago, you could walk into a town, take something off of somebody's desk and then be at war with that entire town for like a <laughs> yeah. week. Like, yeah. like I, I made that mistake a lot of times, you know, like I'd have a few drinks and then start playing Fallout and I was going to be like, I can't go to that, that town anymore. Yeah. Um, but, but what I will say is like one of people's favorite things, if I may project a little, maybe, cause it was one of my favorite things about Fallout three was the megaton thing, right? Spoilers, that decision about you get control to decide if this city is still there the next day is so cool. And mm-hmm. I think the thing that's really impressive to me about the amount of choice and and some of the story stuff in fall or in cyberpunk is like, no, you're not literally blowing up sections of the city, but like you have a lot, you have similar amounts of control over characters lives, like in almost every quest. Like I got a dude fired in one quest and in the next quest, like he like didn't have a job and we were still working together. And if you didn't get that dude fired, like, you know, that would be a different experience of that character as a per- like it would, you know, it's really it's amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of choice there in a way that it doesn't feel like Fallout necessarily like that feels a little bit more um, scripted in Fallout, I guess, even though it is still scripted here. Yeah, Max, go ahead. I, I mean, I'm excited about that. I guess I, it's. I'm. I'm I'm really I'm really curious about this. I don't even know. I don't even know where to start, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> It's it's honestly seems almost daunting because like it starts right off like I mean I have a hard time being like oh what kind of what, what sort of character do I want to play and this one they're like you pick from three different life paths right out the gate yeah um, did you did you play with more than one of those or did you just kind of do one main character and then so I did I did uh, Corpo in my sixteen hour preview which I talked about on the show a couple weeks ago and then I did Street Kid for my actual review playthrough so I haven't seen the full extent of how they differ but I. I did get a different kind of taste and I will say this is, I think something that I said la- uh, like on that last show, but like that decision is huge and big, but it's not like the most monumental thing in the world. Like it really does only affect like the first half hour of the game and then like dialogue options from there. And it m- might, I think it does have an effect on some other quests later, but not like a, this is a completely different video game sort of amount of effect. they didn't make three separate games that exist in the same city <laughs> no exactly and and also on top of that like even a lot of the times some of the time the the like dialogue that is specific to like being a street kid and this happens too with like skills like if you have a lot of engineering skills sometimes you get special dialogue options for it um some of those dialogue options don't even change anything compared to the normal dialogue options it's just like more role play of being like oh my my character's from the streets so he would like just talk differently in this situation he would say different things he would have more context for the discussion which i liked because like sometimes it does have a different a significant outcome and change but other times it's just like flavor of kind of how you're picking your character which i really appreciated yeah it's not just like characters being like are you hungry and you're like no thanks and then like an hour later like you're weaker or something like that right Right. um i mean that's something to keep in mind this is like this is a role playing game like they they have not made any secret of that. I think some of the marketing definitely skews a little bit GTA ish and the fact that it is at a glance a first person shooter. Um, but yeah. like this is rooted in pen and paper origins and like that fundamentally has a certain amount of imagination you have to have as a player like you have to. I mean, even I feel like even The Witcher had that where 
you know, you would every every item in that game was a little bag and then it would have like a small JPEG in your menu to show what it actually was. But like it wasn't like that was, that was one thing that was always a little bit jarring for me um, after playing something like Fallout or or Skyrim, where every object is like visually represented in the world. Then jumping into like even something like Far Cry, where you like you loot items and it just tells you what they are. And there's maybe like a little graphic that goes with it, but it doesn't feel like they're actual like tactile things within the universe. And that that kind of comes to you on the player to be like, OK, like I, I stole a bunch of Zippo lighters and old wristwatches from this man's corpse. Like that's I don't actually I didn't actually pick them out, but, you know. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, I, I did want to ask sort of along the lines of the um, I, I think the idea that it is, you know, it is rooted in a tabletop RPG um, and there are definitely, you know, defined story beats within the world, but also a lot about creating your own path and finding your own way in this game and being your version of V. Um, what did you find most interesting about the uh, character customization, I guess, both in look and design, but it's a first person game, but also more so in the like the, the way you outfitted your character to be in this world? Like, did you feel like there were meaningful choices to be made when it came to how you wanted to approach situations, be it stealth or action, like the the type yeah. of your arsenal, all of that sort of stuff? Can you talk to a little bit? Totally. I mean, like, th- that's a really cool part. The, the character customization is really good, but also, yeah, it is a first-person game, so you don't see your character all that much, very much at all. And also, there was a weird glitch where the few moments that I did see my own character, I rarely had hair, which was, like, <laughs> a very strange bug. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, the the choice of, like, stealth or or combat or action and going loud, going quiet, that sort of thing. I really liked, especially because it felt very fluid. Like all that stuff feels like you're not, there's not a class system. So it rarely feels like you're ever locked into whatever decision you make right away. Like I didn't find necessarily a way to like respec skills, right? Like Assassin's Creed Valhalla has, where you can just, you know, get crazy deep into that tree and then just say, actually, I'm resetting all of this at at a whim. I didn't find that. But I did feel like if I was going really far stealth and then I was like, you know what, I want to play action-y now, like, I could just do that. And, like, it was more that my stealth was improved, not that my, like, combat was lagging behind it, if that makes sense. It's like a subtle distinction, but it's very flexible. And I really liked that. And I also really liked that the difference between going loud and going quiet in a mission, like, could be significant depending on how you're playing, right? So I... I was going to say, say, just side note real quick, The Witcher 3 did not let you respec your skills initially, but I think they patched that in there later on, Mm. which is, I think, like a really kind of cool option to have. I don't know if that was part of New Game Plus or not, but I remember that was like a big thing that they they added later on. So, yeah, I don't know. The game will change, I think. Yeah, (laughs) I I plan on going against sort of like the convention and playing the game more like a shooter. Like I plan on, Hmm. you know, like focusing on gun stuff. I'm not, I'm not really interested in stealth and hacking as much as I am just like running a room and shooting bad guys in the head. That's fun. Um, So how is, how is like stuff like the gunplay and the driving, like, like just sort of like getting around and killing people. How's that feel? Well, so first of all, real quick, something I didn't mention in the review that I actually like one of my favorite little details is you have in your cyberware screen, which is where you equip like 
mantis blades and like the double jump legs and like stronger like armor skin and weird things like that uh there's some really weird effects like one of them that you can get for your i think like a circulatory system upgrade is suddenly all poison damage heals you instead right and like that like fundamentally changes how you would play that game if you just want to like use poison grenades and like poison and heal people at the same like heal yourself and poison people at the same time like you could do that um and one of the things you can do in there is if you don't care about the hacking, which I enjoyed the hacking a lot, the quick hacks, um, you equip quick hacks in a thing called a tech deck. Uh, it's that a small tech- skateboard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, or maybe it's called cyber deck. I don't know. Anyway, uh, maybe it's your cyber deck. I don't know. Basically, you can upgrade that so that you can equip more quick hacks at once. Or if you don't care about hacking, you can replace it entirely with an item that instead, like, gives you an adrenaline boost that makes you better in combat and so like if you don't care about hacking it literally still gives you options that are like i don't care about hacking i don't even want it just let me shoot better and like you can do that and so i think that like that speaks to the that speaks to the flexibility of it um the gunplay i thought was fine it's a little bit bullet spongy as i mentioned before it also has a lot of like damage drop off at range which is a little bit unintuitive first for me but the thing that i think is really impressive about it is like once you get weird cyberware like that or you get cooler weapons that have unique effects like i was using this rifle for a lot of the game called the Widowmaker, that like could shoot through walls and also applied poison so you could just like look at a wall and like ping each people person once and then just like watch their health bars tick from behind the wall um that's where it starts really becoming cooler. And I think you can definitely play just like running around shooting people, but I would recommend still having fun with your loadout because if you just like pick up whatever guns the enemies are using and you, it's going to be less satisfying than mm. leaning into those weirder options. Um, I have a question. When does it open up? Because um, I know like there's this sort of perfunctory be three or four hour chunk of massive games where it's got to babysit you through tutorials and introduce all the different systems. And yeah. um, I guess I'm curious because like, I mean, even, even the Witcher took a second to get there. Like there was that sort of babysitting area. Uh, my, wh- my recommendation, yeah. my spoiler, this is spoiler free. I hope um, my spoiler free recommendation is do the, the main story stuff until you meet Johnny Silverhand, which is Keanu Reeves character. Once you meet Johnny Silverhand and kind of get through the the introductory stuff with him, the game basically just says go ahead and opens wide. And none of the side stuff that you get before that will go away after that point. So like once you do that, once you get to that point in the story, it basically is the same game, but bigger and more flexibility and options. And so like that's what I would recommend is just get to that point. It took me six hours in my preview it took me four hours when i was just rushing through it for the review so about the four to seven hour range to spending depending on how slow you go um but once you meet johnny silverhand you can just have as much fun with the game as you want and go wherever and uh speaking of just on the the story bits of it how how was keanu significantly mediocre (laughs) By like Keanu standards or just like mo- mocap yeah. voice actors? Bogus. He's he's he, I I like Keanu Reeves in movies, but he's the weakest voice actor in this game, pretty much by a mile. Um, 
He's, is he in it a lot? Like, is he really as substantial as they played it up? The, he's the the most important character after V. Like, he is the most important character wow. after the main character. Um, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's fine. He's not bad, but he's just like, like, I think a lot of what is appealing about Keanu Reeves as an actor is beyond just his voice performance. And so, like, it just doesn't come quite across, I think, in this very well. I don't know. But overall, I think um, his character rules. Yeah, I I did. Oh, I have a really I have a really stupid question. They you have you have you that you can do the genitals in the character creator, right? (laughs) That's the thing. Yes. What? How do you (laughs) what do you do with them and how do you see them? Uh, that's a great question. Like, can you just, is it like postal and you could just whip it out or is it like, what, is that an upgrade? Like, what do you do? Is you could probably on, un- could you unequip your pants and just have Dongus running around? So when you unequip your pants, you always have lower Stupid half show. underwear, <laughs> right? So you never see your, your genitals. But is there a silhouette of the Dongus? You ready for this? Except for the fact that every time you swap pants items, the game glitches a little bit and the first one disappears before the second one reappears. And that moment you see it every time. I wow. do not know why. So the only Otherwise, way you can see choice... the, the peepee is you by swapping back and forth between pants real fast. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> the honestly, stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that choice literally doesn't like never means anything as far as I can tell with the game. I literally don't know why it's in the creator because I've got it. All the so, you know, means... as a person, what you have there. <laughs> I mean, we all, talked about it for six months. That's some yeah. brilliant ESRB marketing. All, I was gonna, all the romance sex scenes are like never like show that explicitly, right? Like they just they're for lack of a better term, somewhat tasteful, right? Like they're very soft in that regard. And like, so I literally don't know why that choice is in the menu. <laughs> um i i do somebody worked very late very hard on that. it's so confusing to me <laughs> because i do think there are uh there's a lot of great criticism out from the the review uh you know s- cycle from a lot of great uh trans critics uh that is worth reading about this game because of especially of how cdpr's social presence has been mired in uh some pretty unfortunate and unacceptable transphobia and issues around the marketing of the game and trans identity i think there's a lot of uh, great criticism out there that I do not personally believe us for cisgendered men can speak to adequately or properly. And so I, I, I don't necessarily jump into that, but I do think it is very interesting that after all of that talk about the game, having that option in there, we settle on the, the glitch that figures out how you can trick it into showing you the, the penis. It's just so weird. It's just, um, like, it's just completely inexplicable to me. It's, yeah, it, it is a strange thing. I think seeing the marketing of the game versus the reality, it feels like a very uh, 500 days of summer expectations versus reality that we're just getting with this game right now. And I think yeah. a lot of a lot of the more um, socio political and cultural um, both successes and failures of the game are going to come through once a lot more people have had both time and just exposure to the game. Um, because there's a lot of stuff there that I think we'll want to dive into in the weeks and months to come. Uh, Before we wrap up on this, though, Tom, any sort of just other like really like key takeaways you want people to have before jumping into the game that really struck with you, positive or negative? Um, Take your time. Frankly, Uh, you can beat the game in 20 to 25 hours. I did. Don't just like the the. 
like if you want to just do it just to do it like sure but like i think that this game the ending especially is only enhanced by meeting more characters and doing more stuff and in kind of seeing more of what night city has to offer so i would say Really, and in like a big courtroom scene, like yeah, like, like a lot of Adam Sandler movies, where like the more characters you meet, there's there's like you know, or like the last episode of Seinfeld, Seinfeld. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's exactly the last episode. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> no, it's not that. It's just that like I beat the game, and again, I'm going to completely avoid spoilers here, but I beat the game and expected more than what was there, and then when I went and did other stuff, I was like, oh, that's why I had that feeling, right? Um, not to say it gets longer or anything. I'm just saying like it, it feels like this game was not meant to be mainlined. I don't think I got a wrong impression of the game by playing it that way. I just think that like people will enjoy it more by just taking it at whatever pace they want to take. Is there anything equivalent to Gwent? Not that I saw. There were no games or gambling as far as I could tell. Um, which was a little bit of a bummer. It feeds into that idea that I was talking about of like the world is very dense, but it doesn't feel exactly like not quite as like living as you would maybe expect. But um, there's so much to do. Like I'm I'm OK with not playing Orlog or whatever it is in Final Fantasy <laughs> Valhalla. So, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it'll be really interesting to see. Does it feel like you have a sense of or I guess, is there a marker of like how much of the world you have experienced at this point? Like, is there a percentage indicator or anything like that? No, it's hard to tell, um, especially because the after you get past that intro, uh, literally the entire map is open to you. Right. Mm. Like there's it's not like The Witcher where you're like unlocking maps and going to different places. You have Night City and you can just go anywhere you want. Um so it's hard to tell because it took me to like hour 40 to like find out that there was like basically a Central Park style forest hidden under a road in the city. Right. And like I literally didn't know that that existed. And like that's super cool. And I drove by that area all the time. So there's probably more stuff I haven't seen. But I mean, there sh- definitely is. It's just <laughs> I don't know where to look for it. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's really exciting to hear that there is that volume of things. And as you were saying, you're discovering this stuff so late into it. Yeah, I think Um, think people will hear you can beat it in 20 hours and think it's a short game. And I think it is a short to beat game. But that doesn't mean that there's like that doesn't mean you can't spend 100 hours playing this game for sure. If I hear a game is 20 or under, I get very happy. So that's that's okay to hear in my book. Um, uh, before we move on, I know we are running late. So if anyone has to go, I completely understand. I'll, I'll give a second for any of that. But otherwise, we can keep moving on. Perfect. We'll keep moving on. Uh, I do want to say, of course, though, thank you, Tom, uh, for all of your thoughts on the game so far. Definitely, if you haven't already, please go check out uh, Tom's amazing written review. Uh, it's up on IGN.com, as well as the fantastic... Uh, video review that you made in conjunction with our video team uh special shout outs to pat and jordan from our video team uh correct who helped you yes. uh, bring this all together um so definitely go check out the video review it's on ign and youtube.com uh, slash ign as well uh but moving on from that of course there are so many games to talk about at this time uh that i did want to jump into one that uh max i wanted to make sure we could give you the proper time to discuss uh of course that's kingdom hearts melody of memory 
I guys, I finally jumped on the Kingdom Hearts bandwagon. I opened my Kingdom Heart to the Kingdom of Kingdom. I'm just kidding. It's Yakuza. I'm finally. I'm late I to will the party. Take, I, I will take this opportunity to say I am accepting applications for a new friend. Um, <laughs> you're Kingdom Heartless, Brian. Um, so you're uh, Kingdom Fart, Max. All right. Um, Got him. So super late to the party on this. Uh, I guess Yakuza Like a Dragon, there was a whole weird thing where it, it, that it was next-gen exclusive for Series X, and it also came out the same week as the PS5, so I was focused on all that stuff and just kind of um, just late to the party on that. And I finally jumped into it because we had our we had our big sort of Game of the Year discussion, and Mitchell Saltzman was was banging that Yakuza drum, which is I'm usually the guy in the Game of the Year meetings being like, guys, you should play Kiwami too. It's really good. And uh he was like, this is really, this is, this is awesome. Check it out. And I was like, you know what? I, I need to check this out. And I, I don't know, there was, you know, there was obviously a lot of like, um, kind of marketing buzz surrounding it. And I, you know, was tied to some like, um, you know, sponsored videos and interviews and stuff to this to the point that there's like a little bit of sort of, you know, fatigue around it for me. And I jumped into it just being like, I'll give it a shot. And that was on Saturday night. And I'm about 20 hours in. So not, not oh, like crap. Tom levels nice. of, but, um, if I seem at all out of it today, I arbitrarily woke up at three thirty this morning for reasons I cannot explain and could not get back to sleep. So I just played, uh, I played Yakuza. I'm completely in love with this game. Yeah. Um, I know I say this about all of them, but like, I think it has, uh, some of the most char- like some of the, it's, it's all of the weird side charm I love about the other games, but it's totally front and center. Uh, and it's, it's nice that it's not completely mired in kind of the existing lore, which can be a little bit of a, a, a little bit dense to get into it's it is a game about losers um like the the main dude you play as is just a total screw up um it kind of starts out with some sort of yeah exactly no it's it's i get to i get to um yeah no (laughs) um but it's it's insult ijiban kasuga he's the best boy he is he's wonderful but he's also like it's it's such a weird opposite because like kazuma kiryu is like this you know unkillable heart of gold uh kind of noir hero and then Kasuga is like a total doofus who is <laughs> obsessed with Dragon Quest which I we I, they kind of talked about this in some of the promotions I didn't realize how deftly it would be handled yeah um this is a this is a JRPG that is both celebrating JRPGs and also making fun of JRPGs by being one which is it's Tom you've you've been playing this too right yeah, I I've I actually have played less than you despite having been playing it consistently over the last two or three weeks. Um, <laughs> I, I'm about 15 hours in uh, and yeah, it's it's a blast. It's like really fun. Uh, and yeah, the the fact that it's not just a JRPG, but the fact that like in it, Kasuga is like, yeah, like there's one moment really early on where his friends like, hey, I wondered sometimes in fights you hit a guy and then you just kind of stand there and let them hit you for a bit. And he's like, and he's like why do you do that? And Kasuga's like, oh, it's because I, I like to pretend like I'm a hero in Dragon Quest. <laughs> and like, that's explicitly the reason for it being turn-based combat is because Kasuga is pretending to be in an RPG. And like, That's so great. He, God, he openly so makes references to them being in a party and they just all <laughs> kind of like give him a side eye and they're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, it's it's really funny. And even it's, though it's really funny too, like the story is really good. Like it's really touching and emotional and like Kasuga is such a dummy, but he's such a good hearted dummy that I like can't like help but love him. Yeah, it's a really good game. It's a really fun RPG. And it's I feel like it simplifies kind of the the heart of what this series is 
um, and really just puts it kind of forefront where it's it's about a dude who wants to fight bullies. Like that's <laughs> that's literally it. Like he just hates bullies and he just wants to like wail on them. Um, I'm also I'm playing it with the dub on, which I was I the same thing happened with Judgment, and I was like, you know what, I'll you know I'll, I'll check it out, I'll give it a shot, and I haven't even felt compelled to switch it over. Um, I think the the voice acting is like really good. Um, and they went to the trouble of like syncing all the, the mouth movements and everything, which is I, my whole weird problem with like dubbed anime is that you've got this like static mouth movement and the people who are in charge of localizing are basically trying to shove words in that, in that opening, which I think often means that you get this really jilted sort of writing and delivery where it's like, I mean, uh, the Dragon Ball Z thing where anytime anyone has their mouth open, they just, they're like, Oh, Oh, and it's just it's insufferable. Um, but in this case, they like they managed to actually fix for that. And it's it it definitely I mean, it's you know, it's it's not it's not the last of us two facial animations, but it's like it's not distracting, which no, I really appreciated. They're good. They're I think the facial animations. Yeah, you're right. Not like last of us two, but like they are good. And if you're a Persona 5 fan uh, and this is absolutely not an insult at all, because I agree that voice acting is great, but you will definitely get to play guess that persona character because a lot <laughs> of voice cast carries over and crosses over in that. I, w- I was going to say, like, for people who wish there was a persona this year besides Royal or the Breaker, whatever, Breaker Morant, um, this I think this is a pretty good like entry. Like I've been, I remember just, you know, giving Goldfarb shit and being like Yakuza's persona for boys. <laughs> and anyway, he doesn't work at IGN anymore because he went to some where better, but um, no, it's like, it's, it, they have like very similar, like similar beats, they, especially now that it's a turn-based, uh, you know, turn-based openly JRPG. Um, you go to school in this, like there's a whole like weird, like trivia college thing you have to do. You do like community college and, there's and then there's you know weird stuff like business management where you with your with your like party members you upgrade personal skills like yeah it is very persona and it's That's there's wild. a there's a job system which is hilarious where like normally you know jrpgs it's like oh you get the thief and the 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 duelist or like the mechanic or whatever and in this it's like oh you're gonna be a waitress and you're gonna be a break dancer and you're gonna be like a like a, a construction foreman um which is just feels very like it it feels very like playmobile like to have these sort of archetypal like you know people you would see on the street but they're the heroes like it's totally like working it's a working class jrpg and it's really it's it's phenomenal so i wanted to i say this every year but like this is a this is a really really wonderful game and i hope i hope everyone jumps on and checks it out oh also i'm I'm playing the ps4 version on ps5 and uh it still looks gorgeous the load times are like just insignificant uh, but it occurred to me that the um, the PS5 version comes out the week that my kid is due, so probably won't be able to play 20 hours in three days or whatever. <laughs> It'll be a yeah. little bit of a different schedule it, it for you. Totally will. Kids sleep all day when they're that young. That's well, I, the bright that's, side when I, that's when I platinum. I I I I got through like three Bloodborne let's plays. Just <laughs> that's fair. I mean, this is definitely much more forgiving with pausing than Bloodborne. So if, if that's good, you know, turn based is, is good for good. that. Very true. Uh, before we wrap up, also, Brian, anything you've been playing uh, since we spoke last week? Anything nope. new? We're just kind of along. Cool. Not yet. 
<laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and I finally jumped into after everyone was talking about it last week, uh, started playing Immortals, which, man, I had really wish I had started talking, uh, playing before then so I could talk about Immortals. But uh, I'm having a fun time with it. I totally, I think, see both all the criticisms and all the like praise that it's getting um, on like both sides of it. So I I really like the world. It's very pretty. Like it is so great for photo mode landscape shots. It is just wonderful to like take in that world when you get a little closer. It's like oh, I was just playing in Valhalla in a very well, finely detailed Viking village. And now this is just a very like much more um, uh, not obtuse, but a, a little bit more. Um, I'm abstract. blanking on the word abstract. Thank you. I could not pull that word for some reason. A little more abstract, but I, I like it's very cheerful and it's very much like a go here and collect those 10 things. And it's very much just a like ticking the boxes sort of thing. But because it's so bright and cheery and the the pig that I attack with my giant hammer poofs into smoke as it goes away, it's it's a fun, nice little like change of pace from getting drinking something from a random man in a Viking village and then waking up in a hole where other people had died. And then it's like, good luck finding your way. And he's like, why did that happen? I don't know. That's weird. Um but I'm enjoying both for the most part. Jumping, so jumping from one massive open world Ubisoft game rooted in some form of mythology to another one that is also that, is there any like, is there any weird thing you catch yourself doing wrong constantly in? <laughs> Ooh, um, well, so right now I'm doing both of those and uh, Demon Souls. So oh, the fact no. That, so the fact that the dodge button is different from Demon Souls to the Ubisoft games has definitely caused a few Demon Souls deaths that I didn't need to have happen. That um, messed me up too. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of difference in terms of like uh, map uh, viewing because in Immortals you can basically like you have to click in R3 and then you can scan the world and you have to kind of like slowly move around it and then as the controller's rumbling you hit R2 to reveal the thing. Whereas with Assassins, it's kind of just like if you're in a general area, area you'll get the like 10 things you need to get. So it feels like a weird step back there. But because everything else is sort of like streamlined, I've I'm spending much less time worrying about like numbers and the nitty gritty of my uh, arsenal. And it's like, I like that axe. That seems like a pretty good perk. I'll just go there. And it's like much easier to get into it for me than assassin. Yeah, you don't you don't have to like embed a like a. A, a sacrifice stone into your like ankle amulet or something like that. Like it gets so nitty gritty in Valhalla, which I dig. I mean, I appreciate it for that, but um, yeah, yeah. Immortals is way more just like, Oh cool. A new, a new sword. What a good one. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's different levels of like depth, but I think that the lack of it in Val, uh, in Immortals is not a knock against it. It just kind of lets me get into that very beautiful world much more quickly. I've said this before. I, I really miss the sort of simple pageantry of new weapons in video games. And I think that we get this, this thing where it's, it's not, you know, quantity over quality. It's like quantity to the point that you have to like do comparison shopping like you're looking at nutrition facts to be like which is the more damage per second like i need got to look at this really carefully and it's just i don't know i like it more when you're like rocket launcher whoa yeah i, <laughs> I do miss that at, i miss that aspect in the in assassins like the the arsenal kind of like my eyes glaze over as i'm looking at it. i'm like whatever the higher number is sure just go there but i do like this ubisoft trend of basically you can pick the weapon with the best stats but uh give the the look of it that you prefer Mm -hmm. um so being able to uh, that seems so key to me and i can't imagine not having that going forward in these types of games but uh we'll, we'll see what the future holds 
uh that's pretty much gonna though wrap us up for this episode of beyond so thank you all so much for listening and watching as always beyond is live wednesdays at 3 p.m pacific at beyond.ign.com youtube.com slash ign beyond and your favorite podcast services around the world uh again i uh, wanted to make sure if you haven't already please 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 go check out tom's uh cyberpunk review it is really well done a lot of hard work on his part and a lot of the team went into that so please give it a look it is well worth your time checking out and congrats to you tom on a really great review on top of uh just so many goddamn good reviews you've done this year you're too good at your job Tom, go take a nap. Yeah, go sleep. Um, uh, Max and Brian, anything else you guys want to shout out work-wise before we... Yep, he's leaving. No, just uh, if you head on over to jenkos.com and use coupon code Bandicoot, you can get the biggest pants that they've ever made. So go check those out. That definitely works. And I didn't make that up. We are not officially sponsored. Uh, Uh, Are we going to do uh, Game Awards predictions? Because I predict that they're going to put Crash Bandicoot in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. I like that. Brian, do you have a prediction? Um, I have. Uh, th- I think that they're going to put Tony Hawk in the next Crash Bandicoot game. <laughs> Tom, if you're sleeping, what's your prediction? Huh? Oh, uh, Kratos. <laughs> That's a good enough as a prediction as I could have hoped for. Have a good rest, Tom. Uh, and my prediction is PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale Two. It's happening. It's going to yeah. be around beyond thank you all so much for watching please be safe please be well please wear a mask be good to one another (laughs) please be beyond beyond good night good night hey there it's rachel ballinger and i am extremely excited to invite you to rachel uncensored it's my podcast where i sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.